Peace world, peace world. What up world? It's your man Ant Boogie. Don't worry about the name. Get used to the voice. And it's another episode of Keeping the Towel. Thank you so much for tuning in and rocking and vibing with me as always. And ladies and gentlemen, as we're here, we already know how this game goes, man. Life is a fight and I need to make sure that my people are in this ring, in this fight with me as always. So before we go ahead and hop into this, ladies and gentlemen, we are not in our rounds like normal. We are now in the sparring gym all over again. With that being said, you already know the doors have been officially open. Go ahead, get on the bag, get on the bike, get on the rope, and make that happen. And I got a guest who's in this sparring gym with me. She's in the locker room, so we're going to get her out right now. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Sacramento, California, Sacktown, the West Coast, I got my girl Pamela Top GN. Pam, are you there? I am here. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Gotta love it. Tell you, she came yeah. through from Sacktown to come and hang out with us and be in the sparring gym with Boogie. So you already know yeah. how this game is going to go. So, ladies and gentlemen, so here's what I need everybody to do. You go ahead. You can go and gather around, grab a seat if you want. But still, keep warming up and keep still training those muscles to stay in this fight of life. So, Pam, make sure you get out of your corner. And I need us to go to the center of the ring and we're going to touch gloves. Pam, make sure you got your mouthpiece in your mouth because it is Pamela and Aunt Boogie in the sparring gym. Our round has officially started. Let's get into it. So, Pam, let's go ahead and step into the time machine and let us yeah. know Pamela is. I want to first of all, thank you for having me on and inviting me here. And I uh, definitely have been keeping the towel, you know, I'm not throwing it in. I just keep going. So back in my childhood, I had started with um, neglect of my childhood after my father and mother divorced, which is nothing. Everybody's parents divorced, but um, my mother had three daughters and my father didn't help at all in any way. And so we had, you know, a lot of neglect to the point of um, having to need surgery in my teens for bunions because my shoes never fit me as a kid. And um, we moved a lot. We were evicted a lot. We were hungry a lot. I was often alone, changed schools all the time. But also during all of that, I was subject to sexual assault by like older boys, teens and then had two date rapes in my teens, loss of a sibling. My, my oldest sister was killed in a car accident unexpectedly. And um, so all of that led to then a, an adulthood of continued trauma with abusive marriages. And then after my second husband, who was an addict, an alcoholic, um, after a time of a, an attack that I was left unconscious in the closet. And after that, when I came back to, I had to call the police to be able to get out safely. And when I left there, then I had like a total breakdown to where CPTSD, PTSD, high anxiety, very fearful, just could barely take care of myself for about a year, two years or so. Um, and I came to California on a bus on a three-day ride with a one-way ticket. And that was my last-ditch effort. Where did you even start this journey in the beginning? Where, where did, where yeah, did so I lived in the suburbs of Chicago. Chi-town. And yeah, yeah. And then um, I lived in Upper Michigan for 15 years. And then I lived in Missouri for four years. And that's where I came to California from Missouri. Okay, so Pam... You know, we, we hear about victims of domestic violence 
and mm-hmm. it's nothing new. It comes from both sides, from right. men and women. Absolutely. And, but however, we don't ever hear um, from the men's side who have to endure that. But because again, it's laughed at or it's looked down upon. Right. But yeah, to hear that, yes, unfortunately, and to hear that you were in a closet and mm-hmm. unconscious mm-hmm. And at that space. And coming out now to go ahead and speak to the cops. This was the first marriage, correct? No, this was the second marriage. This was your second marriage. So your first marriage, did you endure any type of domestic? Yeah, the first marriage, I was married for 15 years. And um, it just slowly and slowly came apart. And it was more emotional abuse and verbal abuse at the end. Um, so it just escalated and escalated. I left that marriage Um And I like to say, you know, that I jumped out of the frying pan and right into the fire. And then I went into a more abusive marriage um, that, you know, ended up being obviously physical too. Yeah. And the second, the second husband, the first husband was um, in law enforcement. And the second husband was a complete alcoholic and drug addict and everything. During that marriage, first and second, any kids were produced during that time? Yeah, so I have a um, son that I had as a teen, and so neither one of my husbands are the father of that son. And then I had a daughter with my first husband. Your kids, did they ever witness it? They witnessed the verbal and emotional abuse of the first husband. Of the second husband, they were not around, luckily. Uh, wow. So, yeah. so yeah. Pam, to have a sibling, pass away mm-hmm. unexpectedly from a car accident and yeah. then from there going as you said the fire into the frying pan mm-hmm. and dealing with that the trauma the ptsd mm-hmm. that you dealt with let's dive into that yeah. a little what was that like well um I, when i left the second husband i thought oh my gosh this is so great i'm free i'm everything's gonna be wonderful now you know i hadn't had any therapy up to that point and i was just so excited and I thought all my problems are done now you know (laughs) I was ready to be an independent woman you know yeah but it crept up on me I guess once I didn't have that role of taking care of anybody or just it was just myself I just really broke down to where high anxiety very fearful all the time and I couldn't figure it out depression you know I was making plans for suicide I didn't really even think at that point, I didn't even consider my childhood having any impact on all of this. So then I finally moved to California. Like I said, a last ditch effort on a bus. I got therapy and it was in that therapy that I learned that this is CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic, you know, stress syndrome, whatever that is, um, disorder. And, uh, So then I learned that my whole childhood had led up to what I had went through in my adulthood. And I could really see how, you know, everything that happened in my childhood was, you know, just still inside of me and still causing issues where I didn't really know how to be an adult. I didn't know how to be in a relationship. I didn't know how to stand up for myself or that my feelings even mattered or anything. And with that, with the feelings not mattering, One thing from when my sister was killed in the car accident, um, my mother's friend, and now I was just about 14 years old, 
And my mother's friend put her finger in my face and she said, don't you cry. You be strong for your mother. Don't you cry. And that really let, I know, ridiculous. And this is at your sister's funeral. Somebody's telling you this? This was at the hospital when we found out that my sister passed away, was in an accident. So it was like right that same day we found out. So I shut down. I shut down even more so than I already was because there weren't adults around. There was so much happening. I didn't tell anybody. And so I didn't think anybody would care. I didn't know that anybody could do anything about it. I didn't want to upset my mother. So then this woman says this to me and I really was very, you know, stoic and just not showing my emotions at all or not even feeling my emotions, not really even allowing myself to. I realized all this through the therapy after coming to California. And that was huge for me to, that was a huge realization for me. So then that was through that therapy after coming to California, that's where that was a huge sort of catalyst to now to where, like I said, living my dream, basically, you know, um, I had, you know, I had gone through all of that was a year or two to where I was having nightmares, flashbacks of the attack, you know, still unable to really even go to a grocery store. Or if I did go anywhere, I was just very anxious. I was just so afraid of like being attacked or what was going to happen. I didn't know, just being so out of control. Finally, when I made it out of that, (laughs) that's when I just was reaching for the stars, you know, it was like I was holding on to that towel tightly, you know, I wasn't gonna let go, I wasn't gonna let it take me down. I didn't like to be down where I was where I couldn't take care of myself. Put me to that yeah. that part, because I think that's where we can really mess ourselves up when we look at it from the standpoint with kids, we say, mm-hmm. don't you cry, don't you cry, but boys don't cry, yeah. or they tell that to girls, don't, girls don't cry, and it's like, you know, the world's cold, you just have to deal with it. From your experience, hearing something yeah. like that as at an early age if you don't mind me asking how old were you when your sister had that it was birthday? just a couple days before my 14th birthday so your teenager so mm-hmm. which is just i can't say which one is worse if in whether they're in their pre-adolescent or ad, or teenage years it doesn't matter yeah but when you're hearing that and we hear kids get told that what is your mm-hmm. take what is your take when you hear parents tell or relatives tell the child don't cry. Yeah. If I mean, particularly if like they fall or something. Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. What's your take on it? Yeah. Even if it's a little thing, I think it's really important for kids to know that emotions are okay. You know, it's okay to just don't get stuck there. You know, it's okay to feel your emotions. It's important to feel your emotions. It's important for parents and the adults in the child's life to acknowledge those emotions. It's probably a better thing to say, I know that you're scared, or I know that you are surprised that you fell. I know that, you know, you're hurting or whatever it is, you know, acknowledge it, name the feeling. And, you know, I'm here for you if you need me to, you know, or it's, and I think it's okay to say, just when you're done, dust yourself off, you know, when you're ready, let's go or whatever it is, but still acknowledge the feeling, you know, I think that's so important. To have your relative tell you that, and then you go through life, as you said, just stoic. Yeah. Teenage years, stoic, you know, because we would think of the kid, you know, particularly teenagers, we'll say, wow, you don't get excited about nothing. But yeah, there's always something, what we don't ever think about is something that belies that. 
So for yeah. you, as you grew into your teenage years and you kept that in your mind, don't cry about mm -hmm. nothing. Now we have a teenage stoic Pamela. Mm -hmm. What was that like then? Well, yeah, it's almost like a, a psychopath who, who doesn't, you know, who doesn't know how to act. You know, a psychopath doesn't know how to act because they don't feel those things. So they mimic what others are doing around them. And it's kind of like that. Like I would pretend to be mad about things that other people said, you should be mad, you know, like, oh, I'm so pissed off, you know, even though I wasn't, I didn't really feel it. Um, I had really shut down my emotions. So, you know, because teens are very mad. <laughs> you know, I can remember like in high school, yeah, you know, you should be so mad about that. I'd be yeah. so pissed. You know, it's like everybody's so mad about everything right. else. Like, mm. and, and they ain't paying no taxes, <laughs> no taxes, no bills, but they're pissed off for nothing. I'm just so mad. <laughs> so yeah. now that you have this type of mindset, being mm -hmm. stoic, and when did you finally snap out of that? Did this carry over yeah. into your young adult years? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, so I went for counseling with my first husband and the counselor said to me, you are really self-contained, aren't you? <laughs> and I didn't really think about it at that point. But yeah, of course I was. But one of the things that it carried over is, you know, I was married for 15 years in that first marriage and anything that came up that should have been either an argument or should have been at least something to discuss or something that just just anything really anything that was to be decisions based on you know the the husband and the wife together um i just kept my mouth shut you know i felt like it didn't make a decision to not say anything it just i just didn't because my whole life i never was able to share what i felt about something or make any decisions about my own life i never felt so it just carried on to adulthood. And like I said, it didn't really have counseling up to this point other than like the marriage counseling at the end of the marriage. But, but yeah, so I felt like, I mean, I didn't even feel, it was more like a numb, being numb, you know, and just when the marriage wasn't working out, you know, he was telling me that it was, I was depressed, that it was me, that I needed counseling, not him, but, you know, and maybe I was depressed, although the counselor just was, you know, we only went to a couple of sessions and he didn't want to continue. And so then I left. During that counseling session, was that finally where you started to release or not yet? No, no, because I was just thinking to myself, I don't want any part of this. Why am I here? I was thinking of that in my head. I wasn't really engaged in the counseling, you know, I was doing it because we had been married for a while and we had a daughter together and stuff. But yeah, I didn't really, you know, change anything until after this whole second marriage, which was eight years coming to, you know, having that total breakdown, coming to California. It was in that counseling that I had after that is where I finally realized what, you know, what was going on with me internally and from the childhood that had led up to where I was at that point. So that's where I finally realized all of that. But I still am very, things are so deep rooted often, you know, yeah. um, that I still am very, don't cry easily. I don't show my emotions very easily. Um, I'm definitely excited about things, you know, because everything is so exciting now. <laughs> but I mean, just even life. It was during that point that I really realized what was going on with me my whole life. You said something incredible that I mm -hmm. think that a lot of us don't think about that when we have people who have anxiety, PTSD and all that good stuff. 
you yeah. know, we live in a time where people are stigmatized. So something is mm -hmm. wrong with her or him. See, they're always doing this. They're so nervous and tense. But you had good reason for it. And yeah. now that you were moving through the outside world, you were very anxious and everything. Where did that take me to that that breakdown? When did it hit? Where did it hit? That yeah. it finally made Pamela say, you know what? I can't hold this in any longer. Yeah, so after that divorce, that second divorce, um, and I was living on my own, that's when I was having a lot of nightmares and I realized I couldn't really go out and I recognized that I was planning suicide. Mm. Um, so, and so that's, it kind of hit then, like probably within a few months, you know, there's a lot that has to go on with a divorce. So you're changing your name, you're changing your, you know, everything is changing. There's a lot of work to do, a lot of stuff that you have to do, you know? So went through all of that. And then that's when the breakdown really hit hard. And like I said, nightmares, fearful, anxious, depressed. And when I got on the bus to come to California, it was, I was still like just very numb. Like I wasn't even there. It was a last ditch effort for sure. But when I got here and I realized it even got kind of worse. Like I was almost in bed 24 seven, you know, barely um, able to take care of myself. And it was at that point that I realized I really need some help. And that's when, that's when that happened. Did anybody in your family recognize that something's wrong with Pamela or you just kept it chill? Yeah, time? you know, I, <laughs> true to nature, I kept it to myself as much as I could. Um, my mother, you know, I have weekly calls with my mother. She's in Missouri and I was at that point and I still am. You know, she recognized that I was having a lot of trouble. You know, I was getting really, you know, anxious and depressed and that. And people didn't know what was going on really. Or if they did, they didn't know the extent of it. And I had moved around a lot my whole life, even in my marriages. So moving again was not a big deal. A lot of people were saying, you're so brave, you know, that's that's so brave to move. And I was thinking, well, maybe it's crazy, you know, maybe it's stupid, but, you know, brave, okay, whatever you want to call it, you know, I didn't really agree. But um, <laughs> so when I was here, I was taking jobs of live-in kind of live-in house sitter, live-in pet sitter, live-in caretaker, all these kinds of jobs so I didn't have to be able, wouldn't, you know, didn't have to find my own place to live and a job outside of that. So I could kind of live where I work and just do what I had to do on my own time when I was able. So I was doing that for a while. So people came to you with their pets and elderly or sick. Well, or I would go to stay in their house. Like I had a couple long-term ones to where the family had two homes and they wanted to go stay elsewhere for months at a time. And then they had pets and they had, you know, a household and stuff that they didn't want to leave empty. They didn't want to rent it out and they wanted their stuff safe and uh, their pets cared for. Yeah. So I did that for, you know, for quite a long time. And another one where this woman had, again, multiple pets and, but she was living there. So we were kind of like roommates, but she was gone all the time. And her mother had just passed away and she had accumulated all her mother's stuff. And it was just kind of like a helping someone else there because she had to work many hours she was gone a lot and i kind of took care of the pets took care of the house helped her with you know this, getting her mother's house ready to sell and just all of that this was kind of like your cocoon pet sitting mm -hmm. caretaking house sitting and i don't think we ever look at it from the standpoint i'm sure some will act well this person still she still had to go outside and meet people but again you can 
keep this veil or this mm-hmm. mask on and nobody would know. They would say, oh, Pam is just great. But Pam could just keep it as, all right, leave so I can so I can do what I got to yeah. do. Yeah, I, I kept to myself a lot when I was around people. And when I did have to go to the store and stuff like that, I just, it was all I could do really to have to go out and do something like that. It, that was my whole day. And it was a lot to lead up to that and to get there and do what I needed to do and come back. And like now, you know, a lot of us have multiple things we have to do when we go out, you know, so it's like, okay, I'm going to stop here. I need to stop here with, you know, all the, all the errands and the chores, right? So I remember back to that time when I had one thing to do and there's no way I'm doing two things in the day. I just would not be able to do it. I would have a breakdown and whatever else. I've sat and sobbed in my car, just not being able to drive, you know. And that was before you even left the driveway, be sobbing in your car. (laughs) Yeah, or before I could, you know, after coming out from the store or the bank or whatever it was, you get in your car and you know, you know, you just have to really decompress because you were so scared. You know, it's not logical, but you were scared while you were in there in a crowd or even if it wasn't a crowd, just dealing with the public at all. Right. So, yeah. You, yeah. Wow. And, you know, I th- again, we may have people who are listening to this who do suffer from this, that yeah. they don't do too well with crowds and everything like they can they can have panic attacks. You know that there's there's something. Yeah. And what prompted Pam to finally say, let me go and really deal with this because I am getting yeah. knocked on the ropes. And yeah. One more blow is going to literally knock me out. When did Pam finally say, all right, time out. Let me get to the corner. I got to yeah. talk this out now. Well, to use, you know, go along with that same metaphor, you know, I could feel that towel slipping, you know, mm. I was just on the edge, holding on to the edge of that little towel, you know, but I didn't want to let it go. I knew that once I let it go, you know, literally once I sort of stepped on the other side of normalcy, I guess, you know, once I stepped over that, it was seemed like a fine line between never coming back in my mind, like not schizophrenic or anything like that, but, you know, feeling like there was, there would be no return if I stepped over that line of, you know, I just wanted to be, you know, normal, quote unquote. I just wanted to live my life. And I had been a nurse for almost 10 years before I came to California and I needed to start making my own money. And like I said, have some normalcy in my life and take care of myself. I didn't want this to continue to where I could, you know, I just didn't want to live like that. It was like, I either hang on to that towel or I let it go and I either kill myself or I go into, uh, you know, some sort of asylum or whatever. Now, before you go into into your details with the therapy, mm-hmm. let's touch this part. Did your kids notice what you were dealing with or how did it impact your kids? Well, my kids were adults at this point. And so they kind of knew that I wasn't doing well, you know, but they didn't know the extent of it. And I think even now they don't know the extent of how how bad it was. But, you know, people knew that I was doing these caretaking jobs, these house sitting, pet sitting jobs and those kinds of things. And, um, you know, they knew that I was having a difficult time, you know, and to them it was kind of more of a after the divorce, after the abuse kind of a thing. I hadn't talked with people about the childhood thing, having a a play in all of this. You know, I didn't want, I still didn't want my mom to feel bad about it, you know, and even now, you know, I don't talk to my mom about the whole childhood issues that led to, you know, the adult issues. Um, And she doesn't know a lot of 
what happened. And I just don't want her to feel so bad about it because I know that she would. And, uh, you know, it's really my father's to blame more than her. If there is blame to be put on a person, it's more my dad than my mom, you know. Yeah. So and he's passed away. So. And I think what you did there was just save mom from any what you had gone through that now she would have had yeah. anxiety. She would have had PTSD like, oh, my God, I'm blaming myself and worry herself yeah. into God knows what. So, Pam, right. you decide to go into therapy. Mm -hmm. Was this a regular therapy? What type of therapy did you decide to go into? Well, I um, I did go just, for, I went to the doctor, first of all, because he needed a referral. So I went to the doctor, he put me on a little bit of medicine and he made me, he was actually going to put me into a residential home and I talked him out of that, you know, and, and really? that really struck, yeah, and that really struck me too. That's how I felt. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm that bad. <laughs> you know, you think I'm that bad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so, um, so that really struck me to kind of, you know, that was like a little slap in the face kind of a thing that, you know, wow, I, he wants to put me in one of these. But he gave me a card for, um, you know, a hotline for a suicidal hotline, you know, and I told him the living conditions and, and that, you know, I had people and pets and stuff relying on me and I wouldn't let them down. And I was on my way out of this. And, you know, so I, I talked him into that I was going to be OK. And I promised him I would keep this card and I would call the hotline if I needed to. So, um, so yeah, that was a big, you know, sort of like I said, a slap in the face. So, yeah, so it was just regular therapy I ended up going to. And then she decided to have me do some EMDR therapy, which is eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And that was because I couldn't remember a lot of what happened. I couldn't talk about it because I would get emotional and I can't, I wasn't emotional. You know, I didn't have those emotions. Mm. So yeah, so with the EMDR, you don't have to talk about it. You go through this eye movement stuff and she brings up stuff and, you know, it's just kind of like, where do you feel it in your body? And your eyes are going back and forth. And it's kind of a little bit of an odd thing, but it really, really saved my life. Interesting. It really helped. And the name of that therapy is called what again? EMDR, e eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. Wow. So she had suggested that while I was trying this talk therapy, which I wasn't talking. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, luckily it, it helped me. It helped me. I did that for about a year. Okay. So we do EDMR now. And here it is. You're doing this thing. Pam now starts opening her mouth or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I start opening my mouth and, uh, and I also start, you know, um, I don't think I brought this up yet, but I started writing out my whole story mm. and it really was very, you know, therapeutic to write out from the earliest I can remember just in chronological order, just writing out my whole story, getting it all out of me without, you know, the shields that I put up to protect other people or protect myself. You know, I didn't have to worry about if anybody was going to be upset by it, you know, or just putting it all out there on paper. So, and that was going through the therapy as well. Okay, so now Pam opens her mouth, she's speaking, and she's doing something else. She's writing. So yes. Pam, yes. now that you're, do you're doing something different now, you're opening yourself to someone. What is that process, that transition like now from coming as wow. stoic Pam to now 
I gotta, I can talk and also, and I'm writing something. Yeah. What's that transition like and process like? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. It was so, so amazing. So life-changing in that office to realize Oh my gosh, I'm going to be able to get out of this. <laughs> you know, I just, I can remember that feeling the first time because I was just like, so numb. I didn't know if I'd ever, like I said, there was that fine line, you know, the last threads of that towel hanging on to them, you know, and I just remember that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to get out of this. Just at the very beginning, like I knew it was still going to be a long process. But just at that moment of like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be, I just knew that now I'm on the road to getting better. It was just, it was just amazing. I don't know how else to <laughs> describe right. it, but I felt like I had my life back. I felt like that's when I felt a little bit of, you know, hope for the future. I felt a little bit of excitement for the future, just that there was things ahead of me. <laughs> I wasn't just had to hang on anymore. Take us through that journey where it came from the first entry, Dare Diary or Dare Journal, to now, <laughs> all right, you see this clown that decided to cut me off in street? I wanted to flick him off, but I said no to myself. And then now from there to, hey, I spoke with some people today. Take us through that journey, Pam. Well, I never, I still am not a person that gets angry, you know, like I'm not going to, if somebody cuts me off, I feel like it's given me a lot of empathy. You know, I'm like, I don't know what's going on with that person. I'll just hang back, you know, just the, the slightest little things like that don't really bother me. But there is no way that a friend or I'm married now, um, very, you know, respectful, loving, equal relationship. I can talk through things. I can bring up what bothers me. I can say, you know, well, I don't really agree because of this, or, you know, let's discuss this. This is something we need to discuss. Or, you know, even with, like I said, with friends or, you know, anybody that I talk to or even customer service anywhere or anything like that. So have a lot of empathy as far as, you know, other people in the crowd, because you would really never know. You're right. And you have so much empathy with customer service. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> wow. Anybody who's listening to this, you already know. Sometimes it's hard. It is so hard. But yes, yes. Now, Pam, we're still not out of the woods yet. You've now seen a path in the woods. Yeah. Oh so my gosh. As you walk so through awesome. this woods and everything, did you now see, all right, I, I now have to take this therapy to a different level? When did you realize you had to do that? And what other therapy did you take, if you did take any other type therapy? Well, I started taking steps towards my future while I was still in therapy. So, like I had mentioned, I had been a nurse in Missouri. There was no way I would have been able to do that job, you know, while I was, when I came to California. And so that's why too, I was taking these other little jobs that I could. So I had, I had been a nurse, so I was able to get my license over to California, which is very difficult process to change your license from one state to another, but I did it. And when I did that, that was another like big moment, like, oh my gosh, I was able to go through all these steps that it took. I was able to do everything that I needed to be done and I got it in California, so I started nursing. But, um, you know, there's so many reasons I didn't really want to be nursing, so I started going to school for um, to be a hypnotherapist, which I had tried long ago, 
I wasn't able to continue that because of the abusive addict, alcoholic husband. So able to get things done for myself, working for myself, getting my own car and, you know, being able to go get an apartment and whatever and, um, and dating, you know, a totally different kind of dating than what I had ever done, you know, (laughs) you know, realizing what else can I do? I didn't want to be doing this terrible job, this soul sucking job of nursing and then realized hypnotherapy. Oh yeah, I did started hypnotherapy long ago. This is something that I could help people from where I was, you know, help people on the deeper level become, you know, get unstuck from where they were, get out of that dark place, you know, and it doesn't have to be, you know, months of waiting with a therapist or medications, you know, or so, uh, so just taking all these steps. Ah. So it was awesome. So <laughs> hypnotherapy, folks. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go ahead, have a wonderful diving into it this one because it's not what we thought. <laughs> it's not what we've seen in movies and like Get yeah. Out and others, you know, sink into the sunken place. It's not going to be that. Pam, put us through that hypnotherapy. What was that like when you experienced it? Well, it's it's so transformative you know it's it really digs deep in there and you don't have to you know it's not like talk therapy obviously and it's not like emdr therapy but it's more like a guided meditation Mm. but it's really going deeper because it's more personal so in hypnotherapy we you know talk the person into a very relaxed state and then we address the subconscious mind And that is you're in the space between like you are between wake and sleep. So you're aware of what's around you, but you're so focused within, you know, on your subconscious that you're not like interacting. It's very, very different. Like you mentioned, like stage hypnosis where they, you know, are making people do things or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, like the movies, it's like all about mind control in the movies and, Mm -hmm. you know, zombies and whatever. (laughs) And it's nothing like that at all. It's much more like, it's much more gentle, you know, it's much more like a guided meditation with a facilitator, you know, helping you with your specific issues. So that's what it's like. And, and I just, I'm very visual. So, and I didn't really know that before. Um, but, you know, if somebody's very visual, then you can really just see it all in your mind yeah. and you can dig deep and get over those hurdles of, of things that are keeping you stuck that you didn't even know, maybe. So, yeah. That's what we <laughs> so we went for more education that. for that. You're right. Yeah. And thank you for educating us. Because normally when we hear hypnotherapy, we just take out therapy. We just hear hypno. So it's like, as you said, right. you have someone to watch or something. And you're like, yes, yeah. I'm going to go to the bathroom and I don't need to. So it's like, it's kind of robotic. Right. like, And that's not true. But I'm glad you were able to discuss that. You had to do something, another painful thing. And that was now to discuss and to deal with things in the subconscious mind despite being conscious Pam, yeah. that meant you had to go take a u-turn and mm-hmm. deal with some things again or things that you thought you locked away what yeah. was that like pam boy you know just another another huge awakening another huge moment you know and, and this is what my life has been like since then you know it's like everything is like wow and then later wow and then wow you know it just keeps that's how it's going for me you know even today i had another wow moment you know it's just life is so amazing <laughs> but um 
so what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> with the therapy, I just this got type so of- excited. I understand. That's fine because we're gonna. This is this is all gonna connect with that same thing. Mm-hmm. So with that hypnotherapy now had to cause you to, because again we're still oh, yeah. in the whoops and it had to make you go back, take a U turn, and yeah, 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 look back at those yeah. things. What was that like? So I ended up having like flashbacks. Like I'd be driving and I would like. Psh- Mm. like see things that had happened that I didn't remember. So a lot of times in the hypnotherapy, things don't happen at that moment. You know, you don't notice or see things at that moment, but it's then over the next few days that it's like bringing it up, you know? So I would have flashbacks. I would have dreams, which were, I had some nightmares still, but it wasn't as much nightmares as much as I would go through it, but I wasn't feeling as if I was reliving it. Right. So that's huge, you know, so you could see what happened and kind of say, oh, oh, yeah, it's like watching a movie almost, you know, and then getting that information from the movie like, oh, that's that missing piece, you know, or oh, that makes sense why this thing led to this thing, you know, yeah, you're not out of the woods yet at that point. But yeah, so I was educating myself and learning about my life from beforehand. Right. And while educating, you're connecting the dots to a mm-hmm. lot of things from the past. You came from this stoic Pam. Now Pam opening her mouth to now Pam reaching into her subconscious and learning things of herself. Yeah. Pam, what did you realize about yourself that seeing those, seeing you transition, seeing yourself transition like that? Yeah, like a rebirth. <laughs> mm. Yeah, mm. definitely felt like You know, you mentioned a cocoon before. That's what it felt like, you know, I was coming out of the cocoon, you know, uh, just ready for a new life. And just, just, it's just amazing to me, you know, hope, you know, having hope and, and having some knowing that there's a future out there and more than just existing, more than just living my life, that there is hope to, you know, to really live and really love your life and more than just get out of a bad place, more than just, like I said, being able to take care of myself and live, but just reaching for dreams and just just evolving and growing and, you know, rebirthing. Mm. <laughs> just amazing. I know. It's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is bars. <laughs> that is called bars. <laughs> Pam may not know what bars are. Bars is what we call whenever, well, you're going to ask your kids this. Bars is what we say when somebody says something deep. Those are bars, like they say in a rap song. Bars. So there you go. Okay. Just learn something. <laughs> but um, yeah. some golden words you've spoken there. So Pam, now you, as you said before, you were so anxious, mm-hmm. anxiety, and all PTSD. Now, Pam goes out into the world. When did yeah. Pam start getting okay? Because you said you were dating. But when did Pam start saying, you know, it's okay that I can start talking to some people now and not freak out? Yeah, I think that once I realized that I did have control over myself, I think the, the one of the biggest fears is just not knowing what's happening around you, not knowing what's going to happen, just being afraid of every little every person, every little moment, but feeling like you have control over yourself really made a huge difference. If something's happening in the store that I don't like, I can walk out or I can distance myself or I can have empathy with that person and feel like they're probably going through something and you know, what do they need? They probably need space, you know? So just being more empathetic, realizing too that something I wanna mention that's huge is 
realizing everything that you've done or everything you've been through was not for nothing, you know, to realize that it's, it brought you to the person you are now. Like I wouldn't be the person I am now had I not gone through all of that. And even though it was a tough life, I don't think I would be the person I am now. And I love who I am now. So I think realizing all of that and never looking back with regret or saying, I wish that didn't happen. I wish that part of my life I could forget, you know, realizing that that all had a reason and a purpose to bring me to where I am now. Pam now yeah. has wings now. Yeah. And it was something interesting that I've learned with you on this one. Being stoic, having no emotion to a lot of things. And then now you're empathetic towards yes. others yes. and once again shouts out to you that you are empathetic customer service on the line <laughs> with them. but yes. um to have this to be like sort of like a, like an empath if you will mm. say that to be that person who could like reason and be empathetic with others what has that done for you well i think you know i, I am a hypnotherapist now and i think it really helps me in my with my clients it helps me to see when people are stuck in the place similar to where I was and they're numb or you know whether they're anxious and depressed or not but a lot of people are just just numb you know like that whole stoicness and just being numb to the world around them knowing that they can get out of that and helping people to realize that they can get out of that um, you know I think that it really gives me a lot of purpose in my life to know that what I went through was not for you know, it wasn't just for nothing that now I can help other people get to where I am now, you know. Interesting. So now Pam decides to take a <laughs> journey on helping people again. You were once a nurse and you did that mm -hmm. for 10 years, right? Correct. Or 14 years? I did that for 14 years. Yeah, I was a nurse years. for 14 years before and, I finally let it go. Yeah. And now Pam has embarked on therapy, becoming a therapist herself. What has that been like for you so far? Well, again, you know, just to just to say it again, that, you know, I'm a much better hypnotherapist now than I would have been when I first started it. So all of this led me to being the, you know, the person that I am now. And I can really relate with these, uh, with the clients. And I know also exactly how it feels. And I know that a lot of them don't have that hope anymore. And even just reaching out was so difficult and just acknowledging that for them. You know, thank you for reaching out. You know, I know that it was difficult because I've been there. You know, I was had such a hard time bringing myself to the doctor, you know, and then going for the therapy sessions and all of that. But luckily, you know, we can do it on the phone. So now through the pandemic, most of my clients are not even in my home states. But yeah, so it's, it's made me to want to, like I told you before we started, you know, I've just been accepted to take more courses and it has really helped me to realize why stop here? You know, you can keep going and not only for myself, but to offer my clients to have more that I can offer them besides just the hypnotherapy and just, you know, as long as I'm able, why not continue, continue to grow? Yeah. So Pam, we embarked on another life altering event in our world, what, 2020, I should say, yeah. and the pandemic. So Pam, yeah. take us through, because we heard of <laughs> doctors, nurses, teachers, so many people 
we rarely heard from therapists because we read about things where therapists are like, yo, I don't, I need a therapist for me. What was it like doing your job? Now your empathy level is now pushed to a serious height now during mm -hmm. this pandemic. What was that like for you? Well, everybody is, whatever issues they had, now they're compounded. Everybody was needing therapy and needing help so much more than they were before. Even if they were already in therapy, they were looking for something else to add on to it. You know, the therapy that they were going through years before the pandemic, now they need something else because everything else is that much worse. And if they were seeing their therapist in person, then they have to go to Zoom or something or even just a phone call. That's not working for them a lot of times. So, um, so people just need more, something different something to add on to it a lot of times um the therapists themselves i heard a lot were you know reaching out to each other for help um so you know and just so um bogged down with clients that they were some people were taking clients up until 10 o'clock at night so i'm never being a hypnotherapist people are still very leery of that and i had just started um, not too long before, so I didn't already have a big, you know, clientele base before that. The people that I did see, though, were reaching out, either already had therapy or didn't know where to go. You know, just they were looking for something different. And during that time with helping people deal or navigate through this through this difficult moment, because one thing was was heard when I would read upon these things was that people said that. They had to, they were used to getting up if they had families, whatever, taking care of mm -hmm. kids, go to work, handle work, come back home and take care of the family, whatever, and go back to yeah. sleep. And it was as what I gathered from that was basically they can use those things as a bulldozer past whatever they're yeah. dealing with, what they're truly dealing with. Like, well, I don't want to deal with that. So I got work, I got family, I got blah blah yeah. blah 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 blah. And now now finally when they're home with yeah. these rugrats and it's like yeah, yeah it's not just that now it's you and your right. spouse you and these kids and i was right. and i had a form and i had a guest on before where she was a teacher and she said these parents now had to deal with with mm -hmm. what they were part of creating and they didn't know right. how to deal with that so right now that you had to hear people talk about yeah work was work i could go to work and i could stay there too seven eight whatever time mm -hmm. come home whatever time right. now they're home Pam, what mm -hmm. was that like from hearing your your clients yeah so people had to well i'm i deal more with a little bit older people and so people that were not necessarily dealing with their kids but they were now forced to deal with their own stuff and maybe people who weren't seeking therapy but like you said they're gone all day. They're busy, 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 and they're exhausted and they go to sleep and they're not dealing with their childhood trauma. They're not dealing with whatever is coming up for them. Um, their own addictions, you know, whether it's just smoking or, or coffee or sugar or, mm. or the workaholic stuff, um, mm. any of that, you know, they were, they didn't have to think about it. They were just along in their day, so busy, busy. And now they're forced to stay home and, they're stuck in these walls or, you know, they're just like you said, with their spouse that maybe it wasn't the best relationship, but they were able to stay apart because they were so busy. Now they're dealing with that. That's also another, you know, another type of client is somebody that never was in therapy, didn't think they needed therapy. They were just so busy 
and now they have all this internal stuff coming up and they don't know where it's coming from, don't know how to deal with it. So yeah, so there's that too. From what I was able to glean from a lot that a lot of these therapists and their numbers went through the roof for clientele yeah. and everything. So Pam, writing, journaling, and then now being a therapist, it led you to do something incredible. You became an author yourself. Pam, yes. put us on <laughs> what led you to write this. Well, when I said that I was in therapy and I started writing out my whole life story, that's what I did. I just kept writing as it went along. I just kept writing and just kept writing and just kept writing as it was going, <laughs> even the good stuff at the end here. <laughs> and so I had read a few memoirs. I had read a few people who had had um, some abusive childhoods or some, you know, some really terrible things or some just sort of things that we all go through. Like me, you know, a lot of people have been through a lot of what I have been through. So they were really inspiring to me to read those stories and to be able to relate and not feel alone and see others that have come out of it was just, you know, I felt just amazing, you know, excitement for them as I did for myself. So I felt like I have a story and it's halfway written, you know? And I would love to be able to have people see that whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, that you can make it out, it's possible. It's possible, you know, you can make it out. It doesn't, you don't have to get stuck in this space that you're in because of your childhood. And, you know, and to be able to realize, you can see when you read the book, you can see like the, it took me five years to write it, so, you can sort of see the healing happening from the beginning, even through the book, because I didn't go back and change things the way I wrote it in the beginning while I was in therapy. And then, you know, I, I just ended the last paragraph or the last chapter is from Christmas. And then it was published in January. So, <laughs> so just things just keep happening and just keep getting amazing. And I just kept writing it all down. And then, you know, then all the formatting and, and, you know, going through editing was difficult, but, <laughs> but yeah, so, so the book's title is, I didn't come this far to only come this far. And Say that one more time. I know, isn't it great? <laughs> I didn't come this far to only come this far. And that's just so true. That's just how I live my life now. I yeah. love that title. Now, if that, I know. <laughs> if that's not in good correlation with keeping the towel, there it is right there. It's yes, just like when you yes. go to the 12th round, you didn't come this far <laughs> to come to the 12th right. round to give up. Now at this point, right. you're going to finish the fight. So I love it. I love right. it. I love it. Just give us a little synopsis of what the book has. Yeah, it's got everything from like, even before I was born, I talk about, you know, my parents' marriage wasn't you know, already wasn't doing well. And they had these two daughters already. And I was meant to be the save the marriage baby. <laughs> you know, and my parents would argue, my mother would go sit on the porch and smoke and I would go sit next to her. And even at that very young age, I thought, I don't want to make my mom so mad. She's good, you know, I felt bad for her. She was already going through so much with my dad. And I would sit with my mom and I'd think, I'm never going to make her so sad, you know, and so mad. And so then everything just, you know, then you can just see through. So I start there and then I go on to all the moves, you know, the divorce. It gets really graphic. So it's definitely 
you know, a trigger warning type of a book. It's definitely for over 18. Cause I talk, I go in graphic about some of the sexual assault in there. And uh, so I do, and I go very much graphic into the last time that I was um, beat up by my second husband because actually I had woken up from a nightmare. I wrote it all out. It helped me to get it out. And so in the book is exactly what I wrote that night. Like at three wow. in the morning, woken up. Yeah. All right, y'all. Yeah. So when we're going to make sure that you go ahead and check out where you'll be able to go and get that and everything. So keep your ears and eyes open for that one. So Pam, now that you have dealt with all of this, came mm-hmm. through it and helping others navigate their way through it. Mm. Pamela Topsian, why do you keep your towel? Because I know what it feels like to not have that towel. <laughs> I know what it feels like to be in that, you know, in that deep, dark place. You know, I know what it feels like to not be able to take care of yourself and nobody should be there. Well, folks, there you have it. Some good, good stuff. Once again, Pamela, bars. So, <laughs> so there's some deep stuff there. But Pamela, yeah. before we hop out of here, if there's anything you want to say, you want people to get a chance to connect with you, the floor is yours. So my website is hypnobreakthrough.com. And um, even if you're not interested in hypnotherapy, there's a lot of information on the website. Um, but also there is a link there for everything that you can get. Uh, you can email me, you can, all my social media, where you can get the book. I also have a link tree that has all the links and just it's Pamela Topchian one, no spaces, Pamela Topchian and link tree. So yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to answer any questions, to talk about anything, to, you know, I'm always happy to, you know, whether you're interested in hypnotherapy or the book or not, I'm always very approachable. Please reach out if you have anything you'd like to say or ask. Yeah. Not only approachable, also beautiful. So Aww. husband, <laughs> thank you to your husband. He's one incredible blessed guy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. And I'm going to make sure you see all her information in the description box. We'll be able to go ahead and check her out, check out the book, check out her link, check out her website. So you'll be able to connect with Pam. Thank you so much for joining us, Pam. You have now survived Boogie's Gym and this bar yeah. session is officially over. <laughs> And ladies Thank and gentlemen, you. that's how it goes. And as Pam said, she was so close. She was holding on that towel by a thread. And if you ever know what it's like to hold on by something by a thread, it's not that much. But she was able to keep in the fight, keep throwing punches, and she got off the ropes, and she finally had to get to the center of the ring and take on herself. We're looking at a victorious person right here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you a lot for joining me. As always, like I tell you, wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is Aunt Boogie and Pam. We will check you when I check you. We'll see you when I see you. We are out of here. Peace.